I booked accommodation for Dub Dub. All right, there you go. <laughs> because it was cheap. <laughs> this is the cheapest place. I'm not staying there. Where did you book? It's it's called the Grant Plaza Hotel. I think hotel is very loose. Uh, oh, I was no, gonna say it's promising. No, it's, the, the, <laughs> the photos the photos are nice enough. Like it's not it's not terrible. It's a two star place. He has very little uh, faith faith in a two star place. But I've stayed in two star places before, and they're fine. So you, have you got to go on the internet now? I'll tell you the name of the place I stayed for my first dub dub DC. Oh, that means I have to turn around. Uh, so it's called the Vagabond Inn. Didn't you look at that? I don't know. No. I saw it pop up somewhere. Because <laughs> it's in San Jose. Ah. Back then, WWDC was in San Jose. Well, I definitely didn't look at that. No. But yeah, Vagabond Inn, it was a motel, not a hotel. Yeah. It had like a, you know, one of those, like you see it in all of those classic US movies where there's like a pool out in the kind of middle of a building that yep. has two stories yep. looking out onto the pool and it's all concreted and the pool's probably empty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was like that. Shared room with another poor struggling student at the Vagabond Inn. So my accommodation is going to cost me all up $606.04. Wow. That's for a expensive. Week. No, no, that's <laughs> cheap. San Francisco, that's cheap. In the middle of San Francisco. It's a 13-minute walk to Moscone. But is it right next to Bad Boys Bail Bond? No, but Be- there is a park across the road. Because the Vagabond Inn was right next door to a Bad Boys Bail Bond. <laughs> and one of the that? guys I was staying with actually went in and got some free T-shirts. <laughs> and it had on the front, you know, Bad Boys Bail Bond, and then on the back, because Mama wants you home. Nice. <laughs> so ba- bail bond is like if you get arrested yeah. in the States and you can't post bond, you call a bail bondsman, which is like a private company, uh, and they'll post bond on your behalf. But then you've got to pay them an extra 100% or something. Yeah, exactly. It's and, like a loan for you, a bond. Right. It's like a loan for a bond from a loan shark that will break your legs if you fail to pay it yeah. sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. Look. It was, this was classy accommodation. Apparently, everybody stays at the park Fifty-five. Apparently, that's the, the, the W. That's no. That, I'm told. I'm told. Oh no, it is the, the W. Park Last 55. year, all the cool people stayed at the W. I'm very sure. I was told it was the Path Fifty-five. Which one's that? I don't know. It's, there was there was actually a Woe Woe DC at Park Fifty-five a few years back. That's for anyone that doesn't know if this makes the show, which I doubt. It's not going to make the show. Woe Woe DC is the worldwide web objects developer. Conference. Ah. <laughs> is that like? Is that like one dude in a room? <laughs> It's actually actually quite very well attended. It's a few hundred people in a room. Oh, right. Right. I've I've presented a couple of years way, way back in the past. But it's still on. It's on this year. Because you're one of five people that write web objects. No, there's more than five people. And this year's WoWDC registrations have just opened, I think. Are they going to sell out in three seconds? I don't know. I have to admit I've lost touch with the web objects developer community because I have not used it for quite some time. But anyway, but I'm it's, gonna... such a, it's such a bustling community, Jake. <laughs> I, I will not stand for this mockery. Web <laughs> Objects is awesome. If yeah. it wasn't for Web Objects, there would be no core data. There would be no Apple Store. Online. There would be no Apple Store. There'd be no iTunes. <laughs> There'd be no iTunes Connect. Oh, hang on. Are you, are you I'm expecting not talking to get a rise out of me because it's not working? Yeah. Anyway, I'm going to try and get an Airbnb place. It's going to be awesome. I just need people to stay with me. Tim said he's keen. Look, I'm, I'm perfectly happy to. I don't think I can beat six hundred bucks though. I'm perfectly happy problem. to do it, but I I'm going to be staying in a room where I could I could legitimately put somebody else up as well, and it would end up costing me three because <laughs> <laughs> it's a twin it's a twin room. Oh right, so you wouldn't have to share a bed. Is no, you're you could put someone it's else two up. single beds, so right. I could technically have two people there. And have you seen pictures yet? Because yeah, it sounds a little. No, it looks fine. Mm. He tripped it. Looks like. It. 
Well, I'm... it's got it's got three dots on TripAdvisor. No, no, it had fifty something percent. I guess it really just it comes... had forty six, but it comes. <laughs> it ends up being That's a fail. It's a it's a it's a failing hotel. I guess it just comes to your standards, really. Yeah. And look, if you can go through, if the, you've the, got... the fact of the matter is, is that I don't have a huge amount of money to go this year. If I also want to take Mel on a vacation as well, yeah. Have you That's noticed that I me? haven't chimed into this conversation with any suggestions of where I might stay? Cause because because I don't know probably that I'm not go. going to be going. Yep. Yep. You keep changing your mind. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm constantly thinking of going, but I don't think I will. Ah. But who knows? I need someone else to stay in my mansion. <laughs> I found a couple of good ones. Like, decent price. Cheaper than a hotel, still not as cheap as your hotel. Um, <laughs> My hotel's awesome. <laughs> the only problem is apparently, it because it's 15 minutes or so away, that's mm. going to be, like, I won't be able to just dump my bags and go out. Yeah, it's really annoying. I did that and that will be year. that will be the most annoying bit. But at the end of the day... You can just dump your bags in somewhere else. I can dump my bag... I can dump my bags there and I've, I will still have spent $200, $300 less than... Mm. Everybody else, and that means that I, I've got two hundred, say two hundred, three hundred dollars more to spend on shit things coffee. that I'm there. Yeah, booze, lots and lots of booze. <laughs> Just got to get to the right ones where it's free. I went to the Twitter one last year; it was pretty cool. Was that their office? Oh, cool. They have a cool office. I've never, I've never been to San Francisco. I got so. invited to the Facebook one as well, but apparently mm. it was like. Loosely Facebook, like Facebook had put their name on it, but it was really like a recruitment agency that Facebook had hired. Right. Like, nah, doesn't sound as cool as the Twitter one. Right. Anyway, what are we talking about? We have FU. Hi, you're listening to Mobile Couch. This is a show where we talk about development for mobile devices and mobility things. This show is hosted by Jake McMullen. Hello. Ben Trengrove. I look forward to talking about mobility scooters. <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> and myself, Jelly, a.k.a. Daniel Farrelly. Uh, this is episode 28, and uh, we have follow-up. We have a lot of follow-up this week. Yeah, it seems people were really people interested really like in beacons. beacons. I told you, beacons are the thing. They are the thing. Beacons are awesome. The first bit of follow-up I have is from a listener called Ben... Trengrove. I think I know that guy. <laughs> ben, do you want to address this one? <laughs> yeah. I sent follow-up to myself to preempt the follow-up that we did end up receiving. Oh, yeah. That- Shall I read the one that we actually received? Yeah, actually read Philip's one. Okay. This is uh, from friend of the show, Philip, uh, who says, nice show this week. I particularly liked the intro to Eye Beacons. I hadn't heard it explained from that perspective before. Thank you, Philip. Uh, one nitpick. It's trilateration when you have observed distance triangulation for observed bearing. Yes. So every time we said triangulation last week, it should have right. been trilateration. Can you See, explain always, the difference yes, to me? I've Definitely. always heard it as triangulation. That's just I, because I never it's even like realized used it was, in movies. And, yeah, okay. But it actually is triangulation is a, a like a mathematical process right. for determining a location based on knowing angles to that location. Not... Okay. Whereas what we talk about, we had distances, right? We drew three circles right. and we knew the distance to well, three points. We, we're estimating distance based on the signal strength. But sure. Yes, yeah. So that it comes down to that we know a distance. Yeah. That's not triangulation because we didn't use angles. We use distance. It's trilateration. Because uh, we use later, laterises. I don't know. <laughs> is that even <laughs> but, uh, is that a can, word? We can hear it. And actually, let's put it in the show notes. Triangulation and trilateration. You can look them up. Yeah. 
Awesome. Right. Yeah, because I lo- I did look it up after you sent after you sent the follow up to yourself. It was to all of us. Uh, well, it does. It goes to. I all was of us, not yeah. on last I love, week. I got I love triangulation you... wrong, and I got the gravity height thing wrong. Like the time dilation based on I said height, it's gravity. Yes, idiot. But we we fix that in the show. Yeah, I know. But I just see, I was off my game. But height height I'd is hate that normally. The, the thing is, is that you're not incorrect because the higher that you go from Earth, which is what you were talking about. Yeah, but it's the higher you go, the the gravity changes. Yeah, right. Only very very slightly, but, like, but enough that I could it put a huge massive it. object to next to Earth, and then that would ruin my height thing, which is like, why it's technically incorrect. Like a moon. Like a moon. <laughs> so there you go. You just got to realize that as a moon. <laughs> what? <laughs> uh, good times. I've never ever heard of it being called. No, tri- I trilateration. I called it triangulation in my blog post as well. I will now go and correct myself now that I know that there is such a thing called trilateration and so that it's you, different. Thank you, Philip, for pointing that out, and thank you, and, Ben, and ben. for pointing that out. Uh, yeah. We also had some other follow up. This one was from Commander Data. Which I think is da- a- data, not data. <laughs> oh, I'm not so, <laughs> so it's 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 like the the thing is like the actual thing is data, right? So you send data over the internet or whatever, right? But then it's a name, so it's data. Is this like practice and practice? So it's a character. So commander data oh, right. is from Star Trek. Okay, and because next generation data is and from the North, he's North American, is he? Yes, the sh- so because he, the show is North his American. His name is command. His name is commander data. Command commander data. Good. Does that sound good? <laughs> I don't think you have to do the rest of it, but it's definitely data. Right. Uh, okay. Who is actually not a real person. Um, <laughs> but apparently <laughs> he he checked our source code, Ben. So last well, week he's a, we, he's an Android. we were speculating as to whether or not this Enso Locate system gave us a, a location update every half second or every second. And I think you, you actually went on record as saying that you were 100% certain we hadn't accidentally triggered a. He did say no. He did. I do remember him I saying said, no. no. I said really. Yeah. No, no, no. You said you, no you, way. You said that you said ah. that you didn't. You said that you didn't think that was the case. Yep. Okay, cool. Yep. And uh, it's now been checked for us. Apparently, well, seeing as I didn't send feedback to myself, Commander again, Data checked the source code, <laughs> and there's only a few people who can look at that source code. Yeah. Mm. Thank we you. We are indeed registering for the callback twice. So thank you, listener. We shall uh, have to update that. Fix that in an update. And then the other final bit of FU uh, is from me to myself as well. Also but on you didn't send an email. I, I didn't get an email from you, Jake. Would form? you like me to do it now? <laughs> I just remembered. Ben went through the official form and everything. He didn't even just send us an email from, like <laughs> through the regular email because he knows all of our addresses, so yeah. he could have done that. Uh, I quite liked it. It made me excited that we actually had listener feedback. <laughs> <laughs> and then it was Ben. <laughs> yes. And we didn't. Um no, so I think uh, last show I was talking about an issue where I was having ranging for beacons in the background. Right. So the use case was yes, and we asked for we asked for assistance with this as well. Yeah, our listeners let us down. I have to say, no one actually contacted us. Well, you listen. You're a listener. You helped yeah. yourself. No, it was just conversations <laughs> I ended up having with people on Twitter. Um, Are separately. they listeners? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Probably not. Otherwise, they would have. Our listeners never let us down. If they're anything like me, they're probably listening to the show and telling. Me the answer. So probably yelling. They're probably at yelling the, at me yeah. and saying, "Jake, you idiot! It's because of this." Um, but didn't actually end up writing it as an email. So next time, please write it as an email. But in any event, so the, the we, scenario we was we can't hear you. <laughs> <laughs> the scenario was I wanted to do an app where if you're approaching a, uh, say you have an iPhone in your pocket. I think it was a coffee shop. Yeah, yeah, say you're in a coffee shop and you're approaching an iPad register app. 
uh, as you get close enough, uh, the app in your pocket would wake up and uh, would then send a message to the register iPad so you'd appear on the screen. And to do that, uh, the only thing you can register for in the background is uh, you can ask Core Locations Location Manager to monitor for regions and then you get a did enter region, did exit region and uh, did determine state uh, about the region. And you get those yep. messages as you cross the region boundary. So basically as you go from that beacon not being in, you, you not being in range of that beacon at all to you now being somewhere in the range of the beacon and having you're now in range. So you get the did enter region um, or did determine state. But you don't know necessarily uh, how strong that beacon signal strength is in that callback. And if you want to implement some logic so that you only take action once you're close enough to the beacon in question, the did enter region doesn't have enough information there to right. give you that. Uh, because you get it as soon as you pick up the signal, not necessarily once the signal is strong enough to indicate that you're at a set distance. Right, so you, you can still to... be 50 metres away. Yeah, potentially. Like walking past the store. Exactly. So what I wanted to do, there's, there are thresholds um, with all the um, iBeacon stuff. There's this uh, proximity. You can ask a beacon for its proximity and mm -hmm. you get a, a CL proximity, which can either be near, far, or immediate. Far, near, or immediate. I did it again. Yep. Uh, and I wanted some logic which said um, basically take some action once you become near to a beacon, even if the app's not running. So what I wanted it to do was uh, when you entered the region, it would call the did enter region, launch the app into the background, start ranging so that you could then get regular callbacks to determine how your proximity has changed as you move around inside the beacon region. Mm -hmm. And if you ever get close enough to the beacon so that you're now near, it would then take the action. Uh, the problem is you can't range in the background. And I wasn't sure if you could, I'm now sure that you can't. Did enter region gives you a chance to do some stuff in the background. You get about 10 seconds, I think. If you start ranging, apparently you're killed straight away as soon as you start ranging. That's just something oh, right. you're not allowed to do in the background. So starting ranging will cause your app to be suspended. So it looks like there's not actually a really good way of doing what I wanted to do. Uh, some people that I was discussing this with on Twitter suggested that you can change the um, – firstly, that you could potentially pay attention to the signal strength you receive in did enter region and that's true but you just get one value so if you're far then you say okay i'm not close enough to take action but then you never get anything else to tell you that you're now near you only ever get a did exit region as you leave another suggestion was that you could tweak the power output of the beacon some at least iBeacon hardware will allow you to specify the power right. um, that it transmits at right so that the signal will only extend the distance that you want it to be detectable within. Right, so you could only have it like extend for a couple of metres. Yeah, exactly, and that would probably be the way to do it. And then you just register for did enter region. I know this is kind of uh, can't probably not really the way that you were going. Wouldn't wouldn't it make sense to have have it so that when they get close enough and they cross the threshold, why not just pop up an alert on their phone to say? Hey, it looks like you're heading to Ben's coffee shop. Do you want do you want to uh make your regular order? Yeah, so you could do that um as soon as you enter the region. Yeah. Rather than what logic I was going for, which was near. Right. Uh and I think that's probably what you'd have to do, yeah. given that there's no alternative. The reason I didn't want to do that in my case was because the beacon was visible from a fair way away. Um I was actually just doing this for a proof of concept, and the concept sure. seemed more impressive if you could actually see the whole thing happen. Yeah. So you can see as you approach, the thing appears on the cash register. I Whereas 
you know, the range was extending so far that I was like in testing. I, I couldn't really get like I'd leave the beacon in my house and I'd go like outside and I'd walk down the street and it would be like right on the street before I got out of range. And so I could never know whether the thing had disappeared from the iPad or not. Or yeah. Um, but also like in real life, uh, chances are the beacon region is going to extend well beyond like the door of the premises. Yeah, well, I mean, especially considering most shop fronts are like glass. Yeah, exactly. So you kind of don't want this to happen every time you walk. You're walking past on the footpath. Yeah, or- I think it's one of those things where you can. Sometimes the best solution is not to have the least amount of interaction. It's to have enough interaction that it doesn't break. If that makes sense. Yeah. So it makes complete like, sense. You can have, if you have, for instance, a thing that takes you. You can either do this thing with, say, three taps on the phone or you can do it with two taps on the phone but the three taps is actually more intuitive yeah than the three like it's going to work better, all the time right yeah. i completely agree like uh, you don't want something that's going to be so hard to understand and right conf- and you, you certainly don't yeah. want it to be to be the sort of thing where for instance um it, you know everybody that walks past all the regular customers Actually, you know, the the coffee shop is between their house and their work, and yeah. they walk past every every day That'd and order funny. and orders the coffee. But and so they make the coffee. <laughs> They're just stacking them up. But then it's just like like they keep making coffees, but it never like it never works perfectly. So my um my plan was to have a kind of two facing anyway. Yep. So it was going to be once you're near, uh, you your your phone wakes up and places a tentative order with the with the cafe. So you'd pop up on their cash register iPad and would be kind of grayed out. So they could just see, oh, Jake's here and he wants his latte with one. And it would give you a lock screen notification at the same time to say, looks like you're in your cafe, do you want to order? Right. And then if you swipe to unlock, it would launch the app and then you'd tap to confirm the order, which would then turn your tentative order into an actual order. So it'd give the cafe staff chant, like a heads up to see who's in the cafe. Sure. Um, and then as they place the real orders. And I think that's a better solution than just kind of having an order show up. And it, and, and in that specific instance, that doesn't necessarily have to be just as soon as you enter the short store. No, it, it could still That sort of thing can work, you know, up to 100 metres away. away. Yeah. I still think, like, the sort of final point I got to with all of this is I feel like I want to log a bug with Apple around the core location APIs and just say you should be able to define when you ask a location manager to start monitoring for a beacon region, you should be able to provide a proximity threshold for that beacon region. Sure. So instead of just getting a single did did enter, did exit, you should say for this beacon region, monitor when I entered near. So you kind of get like, because did enter is that crossing, crossing a threshold from being not visible to visible. Yep. All I want is to be able to tune the threshold to say I want to. I want you to tell me when I cross the threshold from far to near, or I want you to tell me when I've crossed the threshold from near to immediate, um, and so that you could then have the app launched into the background in those cases. So I will. I will log that. Yeah, you should uh, um, come to WWDC and ask yourself. It's a great idea. I will admit I have gone to a lab before, knowing full well something was impossible, and asked if it was possible, so it would put the idea in their head as if it was their idea. Well done. And <laughs> did it result in that feature coming into the OS? Oh, congratulations. Nice. I'm not sure I can take credit for it. but no, it no, did I come up. You can totally it take credit for it. So it was like brand new. Yeah. So I guess they were in the mood for improvements. Yeah, awesome. Mm. Yeah, I've got, a, I've got a radar that I'm waiting for them to feedback on, actually. See, that's why I haven't written it up yet. Some teams are better than others, so oh, maybe the core location team is good. I lodged one. I lodged a radar 
about the time that GIFRAP launched in regards to the UI document sharing interaction, no, document interaction controller. I think that's what it's called, UI document interaction. You know the little share sheet that pops that you can mm-hmm. pop up with like all the open in stuff? I do. That None of that is customizable. I mean, you can pull bits out of it. Like you can have just the open in stuff show up or just the airdrop stuff show up, but you can't like add your own items or anything like that like you can do with the activity sheet, mm. the the other one. So I lodged a I lodged a radar to have that changed so that you can add your own activities and stuff to um document interaction so that you could for instance, you know, add an activity to have it uploaded to a um you know, a, a your own service or something. Cool. That's a good idea. Mm. So that's what I've asked for. I've asked for it basically to have exactly the same API as the activity, which is it looks the same, so there's no reason why it shouldn't somewhat work the same. Do you reckon we're going to see any of that? I was trying. It was, it's, we're speaking of talking about WWDC, and I'm already playing that game of what are we going to see in iOS eight? Uh, firstly, are we going to see iOS eight? Yes. At Dub-Dub? I think yes, we will we too. Are. Yes. And we probably will. I'm with you. Yearly cycles, right? They're yeah. Doing that for all. Yeah. Um, I, I reckon that the seven point one was. It's the sort of thing where they. They need it needed an update. Like it it had to have an update. Um and there was a lot to do, so they had to it was very likely that they were gonna put out a big one. But they did the same thing early on in like early on in oh, iOS. We had six point one. Yeah. Did that we? Was, yeah. That we was did. A yearly. And you know what else? If iOS eight comes out, I don't know if you guys do this, but pretty much everyone I know, you support the current operating system and the one before that. So yep. no more iOS six. Yep. Which means no more trying to support both well, 6 and 7, which is Gif- the worst Gif-rapped, problem. GIFRAPT only supports 7 anyway. Yeah. Um, and my next update to progressions is going to only support 7. And yeah, maybe even maybe that. even only support 8, considering the... Well, they added that awesome it works fine. Um, App Store feature where if you do that, they can download the last version that supported... Exactly. Such a good idea. As, it long, as, it, as idea. long as it works on that platform, you're yeah. fine. So as long as you've got a version that works on a platform previous to it that it supports, then yeah. that's fine. And I've got that with progression, so I'm just going to... I don't know build. if you've noticed my strategy, but I've decided that if every app I work on uses iBeacons, then it has to be 7 only, right? Yeah, it yep. does. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Is that why you're only doing Beacons at the yeah. moment? <laughs> One of the reasons. 4S Plus. To be, to be fair, I'm going to be playing with some Beacons. I've ordered some Beacons now after our ideas? discussion last week. Uh, you probably don't want to say them on no, the No, I, I don't have any ideas for, like, for like client-related stuff, but I'm going to I'm gonna try and build the, the garage door opener thing. Oh, cool. Did you see that there's an app? Um, I saw a couple of people tweeting about it, and I'm sorry I can't remember the name off the top of my head. Uh, but it's based around the idea of like the end user of the app getting beacons to put in their house yep. so that the beacons can trigger actions on your phone. So all it is is like That's a, the sort a of launcher thing that I want to do. so that when you come within range of a beacon, it basically tells one app on the phone to launch another app. So, you know, you get near to your t- lounge room and your remote app launches. Right. You get near to your kitchen and your cool recipe idea. app launches. You go in, you know, near to your bedroom and your lighting controller app launches because you're about to go to bed and you want to turn the lights out. <laughs> I'm just so I'm, good to see you both grinning and holding back comments about what you might be doing in bed. I'm 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 being um I'm 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 being inclusive for, I can see yes. for people that may or may not want to hear, hear your your hold, bedroom humor. By holding back. Uh no I'm gonna I'm gonna I've I've ordered six I've ordered six estimote estimote 
I feel cool. like I'm saying that wrong, so but it's got to be the right. What made thing. you choose estimate? I think that's right. Well, estimate. That was one of the two that was that Jake included. Well, that Jake sent me links to for me to include in the you show should, notes yeah. last last cool. week. I'll send you some more, maybe that you might be able to then include. In. I, I've just ordered <laughs> uh, some blue cats okay. and some Qualcomm. I like. I do like the estimate kind of look. How they're kind of mm-hmm. rugged and. Rock like rock rubbery. Yeah. I feel like I can put one at the end of the driveway behind the mailbox and it will be fine. Mm, probably. Like it won't be nicked. You should get the Ben custom beacon. I've ordered some. <laughs> Actually no, I haven't yet I'm waiting for the price. <laughs> but it's cool. Just as a like thing to learn how to make hardware. Everyone can make software, right? Everyone listening to this I'm, podcast probably I'm can so make bad software. At hardware. Yeah. So now I'm learning how to make hardware as well. That's pretty cool. I tried I'm to make excited. a um, I know. <laughs> I tried to make a a little LED light up, yeah, yeah, like yeah. a thing. I I couldn't I couldn't do. I was going to ask you how you're going to open your garage door. I might get your assistance. Okay, <laughs> this sounds fun. I figure you're an engineer. I technically have the exact qualification to do that. Yeah, see, I have no qualifications <laughs> in that space. Um, I'm also going to get uh, some Qualcomm gimbal beacons. Yeah, I'd like to try um, that one. They've actually got two. Oh. Uh, one of them is tiny. They've got really? a photo on their website. It looks like uh, well, the, the size of a quarter. The Estimo beacons don't cool. look very big. Like they no, look, they're sizable. They look about the size of uh, like so. The, there's, there seems to be like a casing, which is like the the weird kind of triangle shaped yeah rock like thing. <laughs> the, the, like it looks, <laughs> it's a little bit. It's a little bigger than like a, an egg. Yeah, yeah. It's about an egg size. Um, like a half, so maybe, maybe that's half an egg. No, but, it's, but that's big, the, um, it's about the same as an egg. But that's the outer casing pit. There's a bit. The bit on the inside is the actual. Yeah, the actual beacon. You can't take it apart. Smaller, I'm sure. It's kind of glued together. It's yeah, all one the, encased as a no single. No replaceable battery. Okay. So we've gone like way off track with uh, our, what we're talking about. RFU. RFU. But I think we've followed up on all of our FU. We have. So uh, do we have time for a topic? We do have time for a topic. Yeah, we've got heaps of time. Excellent. Um, so there were a couple of things that I thought we could talk about. I want to know about code style. I'm starting to question myself every time code I code style. So you mean like the way that you? So this lay might be just out. because I've been working on stuff with Ben lately. Who has great code style? And yeah, you're like that's worried about matching it. That's what I was getting at. No, I, <laughs> I think it's just uh, I, I've gone from working on source code where I'm the only person editing the code to now working on source code where I'm not the only person editing the code, and suddenly I'm aware of the fact that there is. There is potential for differences in style, and now I'm questioning whether mine's right. And I get—I guess to give a bit of background, uh, before, like I've been doing iOS Objective C for what three or four years now. I can't remember since the iPhone SDK first came out. Prior to that, I was doing Java for a few years, um, and Java has really is really opinionated. Like there is an official Java style guide that's published by the, the developers of the language to say this is the style with which you should approach this language. Um, and I don't know that Apple have such a thing. They do. The Objective-C style guide. Right. But does it talk about... Um, talks about everything. Really? Casing, underscores, prefixes, all of it. Dot notation? Yes. Does it say you should use it or not? Or does it just give you that choice? Can't remember. Have to look it up. Definitely okay. talks about it. We should look it up. But that being said, I don't know that... I don't, th- I don't know that there is such a thing as having a correct style... No, so the only reason I the thing I liked about Java being so opinionated uh, was that there was consistency of code bases. So sure. you'd read your code and you'd read someone else's code and you'd read some third party code, and the style would be similar. Whereas with Objective C at the moment, like one of the big things for me is dot syntax. Like I 
I'd developed this weird personal style where I used dot syntax if I was retrieving the value from a property. Yep. Very rarely used it for anything but that. Occasionally, I'd use it if I was setting the value of a property. But more often than not, I'd actually use the square bracket syntax to make it explicit that I was okay, so calling a method or sending a message. I use dot syntax if I can use dot syntax. Right. I think that probably so makes much. There's ones where you shouldn't. So you could, yeah, yeah. you could technically use it for a method. Right. You could use it for a method that has no parameters, right? I don't use it for methods that are just that they just do something. So you use it for all if properties. If it returns a value, and even if it's a method or a property or whatever, as long as it has a, is a return value or it has you know set something, I will use the dot syntax. I will not use the brackets. I pretty much use the dot syntax for properties and nothing else. Like I would never go my data controller dot shared instance on a singleton, which would work. I do do that. Ugh. Ugh. I don't like but it. it, re- it returns, I don't even know why. I it returns don't. the value. I also don't. See, this is the thing that's weird, I don't right? Like I feel the same them. about <laughs> you as you. About There are certain instances of using dot syntax where I feel weird. And it, mixing as well as something. I don't like mixing them, so I, I do. I won't. I don't mind if it's a dot syntax inside a, a thing. So if I have, like, for instance, my singleton dot shared instance, and then running a method on that, I'm fine with that. But if it's like square brackets to get a value out of something, and then using like dot syntax no, after that, that, I hate that. That, no, I, don't that, do I, that. I can't. I can't handle. Yeah, no, I break that into two lines. What about multiple dots? What about cell dot text label dot text? You okay with that? As long as I know it's not going to fail on me. Yes, which in Objective C is it usually it's usually pretty okay. Like it usually, as long as you, are you mean using it correctly, incorrect type. Well, if it's an, an incorrect exception. type, that that's that's a sort of a failure. But like if it comes back as a nil thing, I don't consider that a failure because in Objective C, that's so if text that's label still continues to work. Yeah. yeah. So if you have text label, but that's nil, and you and you try to pull dot text off of yeah. that, you still get nil you back. still get nil back. You mm-hmm. don't. It doesn't break. Oh, Other yeah. languages, that's a problem. So I'd have to you know separate it and all that sort of stuff, like in PHP, which mm-hmm. yeah. most languages actually. So speaking of other languages and style, someone was suggesting that casting in Objective C is unnecessary because everyone, no one casts in Objective C, so you wouldn't need, for example, C sharps generics because um. No one casts in Objective C, so you wouldn't get any benefit from it. But I cast all I cast the time. All the time. What yeah. is this opinion coming from? So, so I think this is um, this is uh, in the discussion between Casey Liss and uh, Guy English on Debug. Guy said to Casey that you know, in us Objective C developers, tend not to cast, and I think it's because uh, you know, say you're enumerating the elements of an array, you could do ID my thing equals you know array. Index. Oh, there's also um, and that would work, right? You, you wouldn't get the compiler wouldn't complain. It's fine. It's completely valid. The only problem there is, is just that, yeah, that ID they do complain, and you have to cast. Yeah, you have to. Sometimes you do have to cast an ID, like um, actions target action method. Right. Will say you just return it. Most of them just return a view. You might know it's an image view. And yeah. You want to set an image, you'd have to cast, cast it. it, or else it would just. So I, I cast all the time. Like I never really use ID. I always typically use the strong type that I know it to be. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that one that's probably just coming from Java um, where you didn't tend to use kind of object much. You tend to use stronger types. Um, but also, doesn't that give the Xcode code complete more information so you can get more meaningful suggestions for methods you can call on the thing? Like, have you guys, do you use yep. ID much? Can you do I try not to use ID, ID if I possibly no, you can. can't. Right. Only for... 
Object methods is that right? It'll send you, but it'll give you some stuff, but yeah. it won't give you like it won't, it won't give, give you, you I, stuff. It's I've a had limit. I've a had it sometimes it. just give you back lots of random things that you will never be able to call hmm. um, because it doesn't know what the type is, and so then you as soon as you cast it, it's perfect. It works perfectly fine. So it's it's interesting all these different stylistic differences. Also, um, yeah, just having done C sharp recently, I noticed that the style is completely different to my Objective C style, and so I read the whole style guide to ensure I got it right. The C sharp one or the, the C sharp Objective C one? MSDN. Yeah, because the C sharp, like in terms of method names and things like that, I've noticed that as well. The C sharp definitely different um, and different capitalizations. Different and- capitalizations. So public members are capitalized every starting. Whatever that so one's your, called, your, sentence case. Your properties, right? So if uh, you, when you say public member, you mean the equivalent of a public property. Anything public to a class. Methods so a method or, a or inst- variables. variables or whatever. Yes, yep. they're capitalized with the first letter. Yep, as Privates, opposed to Objective-C, which tends to be lowercase. Camel case. Camel case. So they only lowercase the first word and the rest are uppercase. Yep. Whereas, so your camel case for private. In C-sharp, we're talking. In C-sharp, in C-sharp, and... For public anythings, you sentence case. Is that the right case? That Where you good. make it's the first letter capital of and each word. And the rest of them are lowercase? No, each word. So no that's, not, that's not sentence case. That's closer to title case, but it's not really title case. It's more like just word uppercasing. Anyway, and no underscores, whereas some languages prefer underscores to casing like Java. Hmm. Java, you... Instead of casing everything, you lowercase everything and use underscores to separate words. So I, I in PHP, this isn't the case in Objective-C because it's all classes and not really many functions. But in PHP, I mean, for for starters, PHP has the has zero style guide. <laughs> Why doesn't <laughs> that surprise some, me? Some methods Companies are like all lowercase, well. and some some of them are like lowercase separated by underscores, and some of them are camel cased, and it's all different. Mm. Uh, and this is all the stuff that's actually in PHP. This is yeah. before you even right. you even touch yeah, it. Um, what I try to do when I'm making my own stuff is I I underscore I use underscores to separate words for functions. Um, so it might be you know. Example function would be all lowercase with a underscore between the two of them, mm-hmm. and it's a function. Um, classes are all uh, uh, first, like uh, first letter of each word is uppercased, and mm-hmm. no spaces. Um, methods and properties on classes are all camel case. Mm-hmm. That sounds good. And, so- and properties, so so uh, sorry, variables that aren't aren't like a property on a class or anything like that are all unders- underscore separated as well. So, so I use them to try and d- to distinguish them easily. This time. <laughs> yeah. So, Sorry. Um, companies, like big companies that have developers in-house generally put out their style guides themselves. So Google have one for all languages that they use. Yep. yep. Google have got an Objective-C one. They do, yeah. So I'm not sure I agree with every point in it, I will say. GitHub have an Objective-C one as well? I think they do, actually. Yeah. So it definitely changes. I can't remember. There's something in the Google one I really didn't like. Some companies just say no dot notation at all. I think that's pretty backwards looking myself. I actually like dot notation. Yeah, so if you were going to do your Ben Trangrove style guide for Objective-C, yeah. uh, what would be in it? It would pretty much be the Apple one. There's one thing that the Apple one is really ambiguous on, and if someone can clear this up, and I don't actually think there's a correct answer, but it's super pedantic. When you have a method parameter that takes an array, so you have a method that takes an array, does that method parameter get called an array? Or just array. I just have. It would just be array. Yeah, I think but I'm I just do array more as well. Than that. Okay, well, 
The style guide uses an array all through it, but it's not, it's ambiguous into saying that's what you should call things or this is just where an array would go. Right. And then, so you go and read Apple headers and they're all over the place with it. Yeah. Some of them use an array and some of them just would say array. And now I don't know what to do. But I'd be, I'd be with Jelly, I'd be more explicit. Like I'd try tend to call it the array of things that it is. So if it's like a- Yes, beacons. It would be called beacons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you can't really say and beacons or a beacons. You could, I guess you could call it the beacons. Some beacons? I don't know. What about method- Th- Those beacons. Method names. <laughs> Do you connect them so it reads like a sentence? Yes, So you can. would say sort array- Yes. With sort comparator? Sort comparator? Yes, yes. I do that. Rather yes. than sort array, sort comparator. Yes, yeah, so- yeah, I try to make it so it's a sentence. It if it doesn't have, if it won't make sense as a sentence, I won't use sen- a sentence. I mean, that's very specific to Objective C as well, because I mean, for instance, in PHP or other languages where it's like, you know, the the yeah. method name and then you know all your parameters, parameters in brackets, um, parentheses or whatever, um, you can't really write sentence case correctly, like sentence sentences there, so it usually mm-hmm. changes in other languages, but I do try to write sentences where possible. There's some other things in Objective-C which I also do. Um, You never say get. Right. So it's never get array. Whereas in C-sharp, get, get is all over the place, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. So that's weird to me now, switching back. I used to do C-sharp, and I would use get everywhere. Mm. And then I went to Objective-C, and I'm so used to never using that word that... How about when, you ha- when you're running a, f- a function or a method or whatever... Or even a class, uh, not not an Objective C. Um, when you're writing like a method or something, and you've, you're writing your you're putting your scope in, does your scope start on the same line as the method name and parameters, or does it start under? Does it does the scope the curly go braces? Under, yeah, the scope. Yeah, I put for methods. I always have my curly braces on their own line. Right, Jake. Yes, I've started doing their own line. Lately. Did you used to do? I used to do on the same line. I've been called out on this. This um, is why I'm asking. Conditionals, same line. So mm. if right, so you if, have if like, something open brace new line. Yep. Yep. I think I do close that too. brace else open brace because I don't like I don't mind seeing an if that has separate scope. So if new line curly brace, it's when you get the else in there. I think it starts to look ugly. Where you've got an else. So you close, close, close. close new line else new line open. Yeah, that looks ugh. It looks terrible. Yeah, that looks terrible. So, so I, I do. I, I like do. So can, and, and fours. So fours conditionals, like those yeah. um, control blocks, I guess. Is that what they're called? Mm-hmm. Uh, I tend to have the brace on the same line, but methods and classes. Is it and classes? No, methods. Yes. I have a brace on methods and classes. I so my, bra- my braces always go on on the same same line. What about when you're declaring a method that has lots of named parameters arguments? Do you make the colons? Do you give each argument its own line and have the colons all line up, or do you have them all on one really really wide line? I have them all on one really really wide Sam, line. I've noticed you like to put the return in. The yeah, especially in. yeah when I'm calling them as well. Nice sometimes I like that. I, hate, I find I it easier. It look right to me. I find it sometimes easier to see you line the up arguments. the colons as well. Yeah, Xcode does it. Oh, does Xcode it? Yeah. does it automatically? It'll yeah. line up cool. the colons for you. Um, yeah, I um, like that. I'm gonna do that. There you go. I, I like to have them all in one line, but I I try to write my methods. If I'm going to be giving a method that's got like that many things on it, I try to use less. I don't try to compact it down. I don't like. 
I try to keep things as short as I can yeah. while also being, you know, still being explicit. So this is something where I'd love to listen, hear from listeners as well. If you've got your favorite style tips, please share them with us. And I think I'm going to try and like write down the style I end up settling on oh, somewhere. I remembered another one I do. K name. So oh, lowercase yeah. K name yep. is for consts. All uppercase are for hash defines or preprocessor macros, the technical term. Yep. Yes. Okay. Hey, with, that's a standard. When like you say standard in most things, consts, mm-hmm. they're constant variables. Is that static, what you mean? Const, static yeah. constant variables. So um, a proper strongly typed yeah, thing that yes, is constant. Rather than a preprocessor um, macro, which are evil. Should they not be namespaced? I was just wondering this because I use tend to use them and I tend to use the, what you're saying, the lowercase k and then mm-hmm. the name of the thing and I use a descriptive name of the thing. But um, I worry that what if I pick a name for mine that clashes with a name that someone else has picked for theirs? That's exactly right. Um, you probably should prefix them. Right. But no so one does. K. So, it should well, be like, so a lot of people will say K is actually reserved for Apple, but I cannot find that reference anywhere. Someone please send that to me if that's true. The K. K comes from... I thought it came from constant. Just someone's got it, it wrong. Co- yes, it does. <laughs> it's from another language. I think it's German. In German, const is spelled with a K. It right. might be not be German. Another language. Why That's where the K comes from. Please email Ben. Thank you. <laughs> there you go. So I should use like a, my, my I use, prefix. I use K, uh, K underscore, lowercase K, and then uppercase JSM, and then I then I yeah, that's good. Define my constant so jelly style media. Yep. Um, well, I, I I usually use JS like for my internal stuff, but I can't use JS because. Well, so this is yeah, this is a clear in terms of namespacing. The style should be for third parties that aren't Apple to use the three letter. Yes, which is why I use JSM. years ago? And it works too, a while. fortunately. Yeah. But this should all be surely when dub dub comes around, we're going to get a new update to Objective C with namespaces, right? It's going to be so weird not seeing everything prefixed, though. That's one thing that's really like bugging me in C. I, I can't believe you just accepted the premise of that point that we are going to have Objective C with namespaces. <laughs> yeah, we're so maybe. not. It's not. We're never going to have namespaces. Okay, but imagine if it happened. Switching to C sharp, like I make my class name, and I'm so worried about just calling it Beacon, or I'm like, ah, oh, this is so wrong. Doesn't it look? Much nicer though, without all of those prefixes everywhere. I'm so used to prefixes that yeah. I prefer the look of prefixes oh, wow. now. <laughs> uh, maybe I'm the same. I haven't I haven't gone to prefixless meth classes methods things lately. Hmm. So I use I use namespaces in PHP, which they're I mean they're ugly. They use like forward slash forward slashes. I don't know the um, opposite slashes. But do you need to use normally. them whenever you refer to a type, or do you just if you're referring to the class, so if you define a class with a namespace or a function with a namespace, everything can be namespaced properties. Uh, sorry, it, it, classes, uh, functions, that sort of stuff. If you ever refer to that, you have to refer to it using the the namespace. So in Java and C Sharp, the way you do it is through an import statement at the top. Where I think C Sharp is yeah, u- you, using. You can do that. You can do that. You can write use and then define the thing there and then from there on it basically creates an alias yeah you can also create a class alias um so if you always want to refer to a class or a function as then that well actually it's only class if you always want to refer to a class as being you know so for instance in the framework that i'm currently working on i have classes for things like url and path so i can you know do fancy things with them they're full Name including the namespace is um, framework forward slash core forward slash URL 
so I could if I always want to use that just as URL, yeah, I can define a class alias that says when I ask for this class, this is the class that I want, right? Yeah, and that will be global because I reckon it's so much. I generally think the more you remove from code, the easier it is to read. Maybe I don't actually think that. No, you don't think that because you like to go equals equals yes. Yeah, I do. I, I like to make code explicit. Mm. But Or equals equals, not equals nil. I guess what I'm aiming for is clar- clarity. Clarity above brevity or clarity above anything else. And so to me, having something called beacon as opposed to CL beacon actually would make it clearer because CL is kind of meaningless. Mm-hmm. Like when you're reading that, what you want to know is that this is a beacon. You don't want to know that it happens to be a beacon as defined by call location because, of course, it's defined by call location if you really need to know that. It would be nice to just look at the headers and go, right, what namespace but, did I import there? But if, like, what if you had a beacon of some uh, other kind that wasn't ref- re- like wasn't in any way related to that? I'm trying to think okay. of an option. Then you would option. have a name. It would be nicely namespace. But it would be, be namespace. You'd have yeah, to namespace it. You'd have to namespace it. Um, but if you've only imported one beacon, so that's how the way namespacing works is you declare at the top of your class which namespaces you're importing into that class. And if you've only imported one beacon, then there's no ambiguity. When you refer to beacon in your code, you must be referring to the call location when you imported. Hmm. Um, and so what you end up with, I think, is code that's easier to read. It looks closer to plain English. Like the names yeah. of things are the things instead of yeah. having weird prefixes. And I mean, to be fair, I don't like, I like I was talking about before, the PHP stuff that I write, whether it's on namespace, I don't prefix it as well. I don't call it um, JSM URL. That would be really bad because be it's weird. all like uppercase too. Yeah. Um, but I just, you know, I, yeah, I, I try to make it. I, I, I mean, the thing is, is that whenever you write code, you should always be aiming for some form of clarity anyway. Because even if, like, even if it's only ever going to be you that's looking at it, um, future you is a different person. Yeah. In effect, I think that's why I do this weird stuff that I do. But I agree, my equals equals. So tell me why my equals equals yes is weird. Because there's actually a really good reason not to do that, but I think it might be fixed now. So it'll be nice to find. So that let's out. just. So what we're talking about is, um, say you have a boolean variable, mm-hmm. and you have a conditional, and you want to check that if that boolean is yes, do something; otherwise, do something else. Yes. Yeah, so I tend to go if my boolean equals equals yes, then do the thing. Okay. So because Objective C is a superset. That's right, isn't it? That is right. Of C. Yep. In C, zero is false and everything else is true. Yes. A fancy developer, whether or not it's good or bad, could have used that assumption to return a method, no, return a value to a bool that might not be one, which is what yes is. But so it'd be a, tr- re- a truthy value, so any truth. positive he integer. He could return integer. 10 knowing that 10 is true, Yeah. so that's cool, that will work. Whereas so if, now if you go if the so result... Why does the double equals come into this? How will it be different? the bool is just type deft to a char and a char can be 10 and then equals equal yes is just a hash defined for one so you've gone 10 equal equals one false when it's meant to be true whereas what's the alternative instead of using a double equals just don't use an equals yeah, yeah so, so just be, variable if, name if bool yes yeah see to me that's um i guess I should know what's happening in Objective C, and it should be entirely clear what that means. But this could but come when, from like well, a third so, party. Yeah, when I read that, sometimes thing. I'm thinking of maybe I've learnt this practice from other languages, yeah. where if variable could mean if this variable is defined or is not nil, yeah. or is you know mm-hmm. there are other cases where if variable <laughs> evaluates to true. Oh, 
other than that being a bull so variable whose value this is, is true. now fixed in that bulls will just round themselves to one or zero, and so it doesn't matter. But I should right. look that up. Right. There was people talking about this with the release of the last Objective C clang. See, I even do the same with um initializers for classes. Whereas I think the Xcode template, when you write an initializer, it goes uh, it just goes if self. If self, yes. And I do. I always go and add not equal nil. I'm pretty sure that's fine. Which is, but it's a, probably a whole heap of unnecessary typing. But to me, it just makes it clearer what I'm actually checking. Mm-hmm. What I'm checking is if self's not nil, then do, do this thing. Do you set variables inside like the if no if thing? What do you mean? Too well, many brackets. So if like so, instead of having like, let's say that you want you're gonna set a set a a variable, and then you immediately want to test what that variable's value is. So let's say you've You've got a you've got a method that you've written on a, on your own class that's that's something along the lines of are beacons available, mm-hmm. and it returns a boolean, mm-hmm. yes or no. Mm-hmm. You set that to a variable for some reason because you want to access it later. Yeah, and oh, then you, inside your if in the example you're going with. So, <laughs> do you do like do you set that variable inside of the if statement or outside? Like of the in if the statement? actual line of the if, you could set so you go a variable if, there if. Uh, bracket, bracket. Yeah, because you need another bracket. Variable name equals. Just one equals. Yeah. One equals <laughs> and then class method no, name. never do that. Okay. I, I would do the variable assignment as one statement and then the conditional as another statement. So there's Don't one ever look ad- at my <laughs> Don't ever look at there my There is code. one advantage in that the variable will only be scoped to the if if you do it in the... Yeah, but my but way, if you, if you ever need to debug it, you can add a breakpoint on the yes, if. You can I see agree. what value has been assigned to the variable. I don't yeah. do it either. <laughs> I do it for some things. Um, they used to the template for in its used to you do it. it yes, just have if. I still I still revert everything in when it, I sorry. when I get the template. I revert it back to the original. Why would you bother reverting it? Because uh, I'm usually usually the only reason that I'm actually putting that code in is because I um is because I have written it myself anyway. And so 90% of the time I just write it from, I okay. just write that out. It's from really memory. interesting. So where do you guys stand on, uh, the, this is a meta question about style. If you're working in a team of programmers, do you think it would be better if that whole team adhere to the same style? Or yes. do you like yes. the idea of personal style creeping in? Nope. The whole team should use the same style. Um, that being said, some IDEs will actually... Uh, will actually style? force the, a style. Xamarin? Oh, that's horrible. Xamarin? I, so I've had like white space wars with other developers that I've been collaborating with where we've been using different IDEs which do automatic indenting differently. And so right. you end up like I if either of us touch the file, the diff shows all every single line changed <laughs> so- because our editors have like gone, no, no, these mm. tabs will be spaces. No, these spaces will be tabs. So, okay. The 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 ones that the stuff that I'm that I've done in big teams um, was when I was in public service. Um, we everybody used Eclipse, I, I believe. Um, all the Java developers used Eclipse. IntelliJ, sorry, Eclipse. Don't like Eclipse. Eclipse, I like is, Eclipse. Eclipse is horrible. I like IntelliJ. It's, it's so much horrible. Better, man. Um, Moving on. Anyway, I I didn't I did not use Eclipse unless I really really had to. Um, Eclipse apparently will allow you to define your own style and have Eclipse 
enforce yeah. that. It's yeah, nice. it does. Um, so you can have a team style. Everyone uses the same style. Yeah, and, style and it just automatically makes it yeah. makes it work. Um, there's stuff for Objective C, right? So there's um, Clang format, Clang format, and I believe there's an Xcode plugin that'll uh, apply Clang format for you. That's cool. Um, so mm. that you can format your code consistently. Um, the one instance I've seen of having each member of a team use their own style that's actually been really handy is being able to tell who wrote something. That is what that's what Git blames <laughs> Git for. Blame Obviously, is Git for. blame is for. But just I don't know. Named. It's kind of nice when you it is, you terrible. start working on a method and you just immediately you don't have to get out Git blame. You don't have to go to a separate tool. You're in there in the code and you're going, oh, this is so such and such as code. I can tell by the fact that yeah. there are extra spaces in between the open parentheses and the next thing. Yeah. Or there are extra spaces between. Like, do you guys do that? In, if you, uh, I don't know, if something's less than something, close parentheses. Yeah, I like. Do you have? I have spaces, spaces inside between, the parentheses. between the parentheses yes. and the things. And do you have spaces mm-hmm. between the thing and the less than? Yes. Or? Yes. No spaces after the brackets, but do spa- do have spaces between the, the conditional. And right. I have spaces both in both. See, this is just this is. It looks wrong to have. It looks so wrong to have no, like inside wide, the bracket. <laughs> So do you know what I like in the future? Uh, this this should so happen, but it won't. Uh, but I would love if our tools, including like our source code management tool, in fact, I feel like we've had this conversation before, that our source code management tool should understand the meaning of code. So instead of storing just ASCII data or Unicode data, it stores the meaning, right? The fact that you're doing a conditional that's comparing these things. And the presentation of that in my IDE should be not stored and not committed right. and entirely separate. So you could see it with spaces and Man, I could see it without. A tough challenge. You could see it with your braces on the same line. It's not actually that tough. You just commit. Like in C Sharp, right, you, you would commit the bytecode mm. and reverse engineer it. Like using, disassemble it. Like disassemble it to your own. But then you'd lose. You yeah. wouldn't even have to do yeah. that. I mean, certain things, like, for instance, the whole idea of, you know, setting variables inside of the if. Yeah conditional um whatever that sort of thing wouldn't be able to be done this way but things like you know having your curly brace on a separate line or you know using using specific um you know white spacing type stuff like tabs instead of spaces or whatever Lining that can be done that could be done up in essentially like- by like plugins or like an underlying yeah. thing that it all it does really is be just a presentation adjusts your thing, right? presentation. Mm. Yeah. You just, should your presentation should be independent of the meaning of your source code. And some like some editors will allow you to set, for instance, the number of spaces that a yeah. tab is like Exactly. And that's that should that, end up making it into like if you change this number of spaces in the source file from what I've got, we shouldn't be that shouldn't be considered that we're looking at different source code. No. Well I mean that, and that's part of the reason why you somebody would use you would use tabs instead of spaces in that specific instance. Like if you're going to actually define like show them as different sizes, you can use tabs to and then have the tabs actually be yeah. shown that way, not not necessarily wouldn't edit the file. No. Yeah. But I reckon that would be that's really why cool. I like tabs better. Anyway. See, so we've got one vote for tabs. I don't. I even use know. tabs as much as possible. I use whatever Xcode uses. And I had and my tabs are set to being four four spaces. I don't, I don't know what mine is set to. The default. Yeah, it's, it's four spaces then. I don't use an editor that tells me whether or not I'm using tabs or spaces. Mm. Actually, that's the thing with Atom. The other day, I realized that Atom by default uses two spaces for tabs instead of four. So does um, it wigs me out. Sublime, I think. Possibly? Yeah, that wigs me out. Yeah, too small. 
And then some text editors, like if you show your your source code, in for instance, in a browser as a text, it will tab them like they're like eight spaces wide, mm. and it's weird. Mm. We no, should we should write up our styles. Come to a mobile couch style guide. No, I don't think we'll, I don't think there's ever going to be a mobile couch style guide. But maybe we, we can have Just we can have our one. But the thing so is, is that like, I mean, I have to, def- I have to kind of go off of my style guide all the time because I typically, most of the work that I do client wise is not like I write this and here you go that you know, I'm done. Um, typically, yeah. I'm I'm interacting with the teams. Yeah, and so you use I interact stuff. with various different teams, yeah. so I actually write various yeah. different styles of code. That I'll try sense. and match a style as long as it's purely style. So I still I will never write hash define k. Blah, because that's wrong. Can't do that. <laughs> and that, like, uh, I, I think it, the, when it comes down to it, like, it is just a matter of like, it is exactly what it is. It's a style. It's not like there is no wrong or right. Like, even no. if it's even if you know Apple comes out with an Objective C style guide, that doesn't make them automatically right. It makes no. it, it it's it's a good idea because consistency is good and all that sort of stuff. But when it comes down to it, as long as you're consistent amongst the people that you're actually going to be working with, mm, that's, the that's all that matters. Yeah. And sometimes I'm not even consistent with myself, which is why I've been yeah, thinking same. about it. Well, and my, my code has, over the course of time, my style has changed and developed it yeah. depending on you know what I've been doing. So speaking of which, Objective-C has changed a fair bit. Has your code changed to like how much, uh, for example, I am... Um, tend to only use properties now. I don't use instance variables that aren't properties. And I don't use I don't use synthesize because they're automatically synthesized now. Right. I don't synthesize uh, them unless for some for some reason I have to synthesize them anymore. Well, yeah, you might I'm trying to ex- yeah. there's, there's a there's sometimes when you when you you write both a get and a set and you do stuff with it, I I synthesize. I see I never write custom properties now. You mean custom getters and setters? Yeah, sorry. Yeah. yeah. Because I just I. use KVO. Same. I don't use KVO very often. Because back in the day, if you wrote a custom getter or setter, you would have to remember the there's Mem- like all four the ones stuff. you had to remember. Yeah. A copy, a read only, or whatever, a retained one, and there's an order you had to do it in, and you just had to remember that. There's yeah. no. Whereas now Arc makes that less yeah, of an issue. It does it for you, so it'll just work. Yeah. That's one reason I don't use instance variables though, um, because it hides a uh, strong on self. So an instance variable under arc will retain self because it needs self to access itself. <laughs> that was a confusing sentence. Um, and because you don't have a self dot in front of it, it's sort of hidden that it's it's using self. Right, yes. So if you then use that instance variable in a block that is retained by self, you just set up a retain cycle that's really hard to spot. Yeah, because it's not obvious that you're using... it's not obvious you've used self inside right, that block. because you've used an instance variable, yeah. which has to be on self but isn't explicitly. Yeah, so I preferred, I, I resisted for a while. I was like, why do I have to write self dot everywhere? But I've changed. The so other reason, the answer to so your question. The reason I started using instance variables was often instead of, sorry, using properties instead of instance variables directly was because of something that um I enjoyed from C sharp. Mm-hmm. So in C sharp, you can declare a variable and it automatically gets a, getter and a default implementation of a getter and setter yeah. for that. Uh, and then at some point in the future, if you want to change the semantics of the get or the set, you want to like do something else, you can just then write your custom getter or setter. And Yeah, the, on, the, on that line. Yeah, in, in one spot. And because all of your code is accessing it through that getter or setter, 
then you don't have to go through all your calling code and change it to make sure it's calling the new thing. Yeah. Yeah. Does that make sense? And so I thought the same thing in Objective-C, right? Like if I use properties, that's something the property gives you is potentially you could write a custom setter. Yeah. Um, KVO means you could do it with an instance variable or a property. Because um, an instance variable won't call its own methods. That's right, isn't it? So if I go underscore whatever equals something, it's not going to call the method set. No, it won't. Blah. Yeah, it kind of goes just around skips it. it. It just skips yeah. it. Yeah. And I kind of don't like that because the whole being able to have a setter and getter gives you a spot where you can change the behavior anytime this value is read to or written to or read from, do mm. this thing. And if you allow yourself to get around it sometimes, then you got to the onus is on you to remember like which of my code is accessing it directly and which of my code is accessing it through the getter or setter and is the behavior consistent or... Yeah. So I'd just rather just... There's one thing I read ages ago that you should use instance variables inside the self in it. I can't remember why. I'm going to find that reference. So you shouldn't okay. use your self dot whatever inside your if self super in it. Okay. Mm. Fair enough. But I don't remember why. Let's see if I can find that reference. I'd like to see an Xcode plugin that does some of the style stuff where the style that Xcode enforces isn't good or doesn't match people's style. What do you mean? Well, you know how Xcode kind of enforces a specific style by it automatically like indentate indent stuff and all that sort of stuff. I'd like to see a method of getting around is that. Is that what Clang Format's meant to do? Yeah, so which Clang- isn't implemented yet? I mean, in Xcode? Clang right, Format there is, exists. There is, and there is an Xcode plugin to let you use Clang Format in Xcode. Is that available on Alcatraz? I believe it is. Alcatraz is back after like... I, I believe um friend of the show, Tony Arnold, is a committer to the Clang yeah, Format Xcode plugin. Or okay. maybe he wrote the Xcode plugin. I don't know if he's released it. Tony, if you listen, let us know. He probably doesn't listen. Yeah. No longer a friend of the show. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Nice. I didn't mean that. But yeah, I like I mean st- style is one of those things and uh, we we've lost so I'm sure we've lost so many listeners today because we've been talking about whether or not we use curly braces on the same line as No, I <laughs> think people are interested in that somehow. I just you know, I, it's um, everyone has a passionate opinion about it, and everyone else is wrong. I don't know that I'm so <laughs> passionate about it. I know that I do what I do, but then, like, you know, I'll I'll change and write code. If I'm writing in amongst other code, I'll write the way that that code is written. So if I'm working for a team yeah, that yeah. does things, but you'll be muttering under your breath as you do it. This is no, I don't. I do. It'll look wrong I to s- me. I but- sit there going, "Good." Keep <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm clearly less passionate about this than you guys are, but I I think I think that you know having having methods for enforcing like team styles or you know um or some sort of way to like reformat code into your style mm. if you're having to import stuff like for some reason Eclipse was great in that like yeah love it or hate it uh, it was really cool to be able to have a single spot where you say okay we've all agreed that we're going to be consistent with our style and this is the style settings everyone apply the same settings to Eclipse and then you just do the format code keyboard shortcut yeah done and, and, and that was good it. and that was that that's that's really good and you can you could I'm fairly certain you could kind of automate that and all yeah. that sort of stuff but- and the practical utility about that is it made it easier to see actual meaningful code changes so when you saw a commit the diff would only show you like if everyone was yeah. formatting their code in the same style before they commit then you just see 
the stuff that's the same. Yeah. Whereas uh, sometimes you can end up with commits that do nothing but white space changes. Mm-hmm. Mm. I hate that. I hate that too. Sometimes that's important though. If there's a whole pile of spaces on the end of a method name. Actually, white space is, is one thing that I'm very specific about. <laughs> I watched a like WWDC thing and that was like his big improvement. He's like, I hate spaces on the end of method names. And so I have added a thing in Xcode to remove them. And everyone was like, yeah, because <laughs> extra spaces are the worst. <laughs> ah, I remember the first time I turned on errors as warnings in Xcode. There was a warning that I had previously not been aware of, uh, which was files must end with a new line. Yeah, that's C. Is it must end with a new line or must not? Must end. Must end with a new line. That's from the C standard, um, which I believe was relaxed in one of them. So that's C. 89. Right. And then the C95, 99. I can't remember. The GitHub um, Git GUI, for lack of a better name, um, will actually like put a little error mark on files that don't have a new aligned at the end. Mm, that's cool. Why is that important? I went and put one in to make Xcode happy, but I kind of resented it. probably comes from something back in the old days that made the compiler easier to write, to parse the file, and so they made it standard. And so then they could assume I that do it, like the, And now it's like just it a will, thing that you've got yeah. to do. Yeah, I do like the fact that it gives you a little bit of space at the end of the file after like after your last line of code. You're not like doing stuff right at the bottom of the window. But that's, I mean, that's not really... It's weird because I... I don't really care. I generally hate new lines if I'm like parsing something myself. I generally hate a new line at the end of the file because it means, you know, you say you've got a text document of all numbers. Mm. You now have to watch out for a line that doesn't have a number on it. Yes. Rather than just looking for end of file, yeah. which is also there invisibly. I don't know why they liked it. But I'd say that's where it came from. And now it's a thing. Yeah. I don't know. But look, I, I think, yeah, styles styles are the sort of thing that everybody has one. They're like opinions. Everybody has an opinion about styles. Mm, yeah, they do. So I'd, I'd love to hear from our listeners. As we, to what we'd love to hear what you guys think about styles. And look, the, the, the fact of the matter is, is you can tell us that we're wrong, but we are not wrong. We're, we're totally 100% right. Even Might be wrong in some even of the technical we all things. <laughs> I'd be happy to hear I was wrong about something like technical. Yeah. No, not a, not a brace on a new line or whatever, but like something to do with. I'd be happy to hear I'm wrong about that as well. Because I'd be interested I'd to, to know what, people what people's yeah. justification for their styles are. Yeah, true. Like there could be good reasons behind doing things a different way that I haven't thought about. Do you guys, uh, before we before we wrap up, and uh, I promise this is actually going to be wrapped up now, do you guys troll through uh, through people's GitHub repositories to see what their styles are? No. Oh, no. Not, I don't make an activity specifically. I'm just going to sit down and look at styles. I've skimmed. I have done it. Uh, it's It's like the GitHub version of Facebook stalking. Yeah. Uh, like I, I will find a developer that, you know, I I know I like of them admire. or whatever. Well, not necessarily that I admire, just a developer that like I'm, you know, like a yeah, public okay. figure-ish like type oh, of developer. Oh, like a developer you love to hate. Someone you want to like go, oh, I want to look at that person's code because I'm sure there's all sorts code of weird stylistic... To see what they, how they write that. their code. <laughs> You've done that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You've done. I'm not going to say who. <laughs> and so what does that like justify your opinion of, of the fact that you can hate them because they put their braces on the same line as the rest of the, yep. <laughs> the method declaration? Yep, idiots. <laughs> <laughs> and this is why they're a terrible person in real life. 
Uh, nice. No, I do. I I go through it. I go through people's code and I'd, look I'd, look for that sort of stuff. Yeah, I'd I find it interesting when I'm looking at some code. I'd pay attention to style because I'm trying to continually inform my style to yeah. Am, yeah, I'll definitely do that's it. That's why I am I normal. That's probably more closer to what why I do that sort of thing. I don't read it so that I can think. You know, it's it's interesting to read like sort of people's API design and decisions about why they made this method take three blocks. I don't know if that's even a thing, but you know what I mean? Like the API decisions they made. Yeah. I like to think about that. AF networking is a like really good example of. Speaking of API decisions, mm-hmm. this is probably a new topic and we're trying to wind up, but I've got a question. If you're writing something uh, that eventually will probably have to be asynchronous, but you're kind of doing early prototyping and mocking things up and like doing, um, writing the calling code first, and kind of mocked out a network layer. And so you do you just write a method that returns the list of the things that you eventually want to be able to retrieve over the network and get on with it? Or do you start from the premise of, I know this is going to be asynchronous, so I'm going yeah. to write like a mock out. I'll have a complete I write my code. Just call it. I try to figure out, I, I usually write my code backwards, if that makes sense. I figure out how I want to access it. Yeah, you write the calling code first and say this yeah. is how I want to use it. So I'll I'll lay out a whole bunch of like empty method declarations and stuff Dubs. of how I want to use it. Yeah. Then I'll write an actual usage of that. Yeah. Which is essentially my test case. Yeah. Um so you know if I want to for instance access an API but I have to do go all through all the different like so like an online API but I have to go through all this other process before I can you know actually use it in my implementation. I'll write the implementation first, and then as I'm testing, as I'm writing the code that actually kind of acts as a go-between, I'll be testing it using this. Mm. So that's essentially my test case. That makes so much sense. See, I try and do that, but sometimes I find myself sometimes. just going, okay, I'm going to have this code that displays a list of things that come off the internet, and I'll just like write a dummy internet class that just returns the list, and then later I go, oh, crap, that's actually going to have to be asynchronous, and now I'm going to have to like figure out when to call it and what do I do between the time that I've asked for it and I've got it back and like what do I display in the means like if it's a oh, yeah, I don't know if you could like a table view controller or something and you go oh okay so I've now got to have logic like if if I haven't attempted to fetch the stuff yet hide it and then call the thing to go get it and then mm. when it comes back now show it and whereas I probably should just write it like that from the outset I I try to write it I try to as much as I possible can to write as if I'm, as if this is the end case. Like this is mm. the last time that I'm ever like going to be touching this. Um, it doesn't always work. A lot of the time, I'll get through. I'll get through like halfway through the implementation. Go. Actually, I just realized I need something else in my method, so I have to rename my method or something. Or um, this isn't actually going to work, so I'm going to have to pull this out and make it, you know, and normalize this a bit more, so I can access this multiple times or, or whatever. When you writing stuff, when you're when you're first writing stuff like by writing out just empty method declarations, it's not going to necessarily be exactly how the implementation is going to go. Mm. Um, the end result may be very different, but it at least you're spending that time thinking about it. Yeah, exactly. And that I think that's the main process of it. So, And I find it's a lot a lot easier to write stuff if I actually have a think about, okay, this is exactly how I want to use it. It doesn't need to work any other ways. And so then I, because um, otherwise I have a habit of trying to overgeneralize stuff mm. so that I can use it in any way I possibly think of next. 
Um, and it's not possible to do that. So I, what I what I try to do uh, these days is to determine how I want to use it. Yeah, yeah. And then that will actually help me write my code because I can think yeah. about. This I, is I can I, think. Okay, I can get. I don't need to worry about that that use case. I can just ignore it. Yeah. This is why test driven development appeals to me because your yeah. test is you write the calling. It forces you to write the calling code first. So you're right. like, how would I like to be able to call my API? Right. So I I um I don't I don't write like formal tests or anything like that. I don't do tests. Yeah. I don't do write I don't write like my tests first or anything like that. But I will write code that does the testing for me. Yeah. And so you look at file drone for instance, which is one of my open source libraries. I will, I'm, I'm going to go and just look at your style. Fine. And short it myself a bit. It, it is probably my my some of my cleanest code. Nice. Okay. It's nice. So, um I'll go check it out. Like when I write, like FileDrone has no unit tests or anything like that, but FileDrone has been developed with a test case, mm-hmm. and so um, the the backend code for GIFRAP to actually access my unit test of sorts. Yeah. So I, I all my libraries are tested against the stuff that I developed them for. I don't that write I don't write solutions without a problem. That makes perfect sense. And that's about all we have time for, I think. Hmm. So, guys, if you would like to read about any of the things that we've talked about today, so any of the beacon-related stuff that we talked about earlier on or um, the the Google slash Apple Objective-C style guides and that sort of stuff, we will put links for those in all, into the show notes. And uh, you can go and you can access those on our website. The website is mobilecouch.co forward slash 28. And that's because this is the 28th episode. The number just keeps incrementing. Ah, that's a pattern. Yeah, yeah, it works like that. Now, if you would like to get in touch with us and tell us about your styles, or you would like to tell us that we're wrong, even though we aren't, uh, you can do that as well. Jump onto our website, mobilecouch.co forward slash contact, and uh, you can tell us anything you like, really. Anything, usually as long as it actually refers to stuff we talk about on the show. No, just tell us anything. Tell us how your day was. Well, if you want to do that, you can talk to Jake by himself individually. Okay. <laughs> tell me how your day so, was. So uh, you can jump on Twitter and tell Jake how your day went, has been, is going. He is Jay McMullen. That's J-M-A-C-M-U-L-L-I-N. Or you can talk to Ben. He's a nice guy. Hello. Ben is Ben Trengrove, B E N. T-R-E-N-G-R-O-V-E and I am at Jelly Bean Soup. Thanks guys for listening. It's been a pleasure. We look forward to talking to you again in two weeks time and we'll see you then. Talk to you then. Do something with you then. Bye. Bye.